Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at Mike C Tennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Well, back from the dead is my little friend, Noah Rubin. Um, how are you, buddy? You say that, but you just big-timed me, and that was that's literally all that happened. I mean, I don't think I big-timed you just I, we because hear I was at an voice ATP 500. <laughs> 500. We're just a voice in the background over, you know, I had a very, very good forehand, and you're like, oh my god, you're Rafa. I think I heard that briefly under your breath. Was that possible? I, uh... Yeah. No, like, you would never. Except it, for it was your kind pants of a, were enlarged. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, you, you okay? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just. Okay. I'm going to Portugal on Friday. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, going to try to get my non-existent ranking up right now, and mm-hmm. I feel good it, though. I'm, I'm practicing hard. Body feels good. Practice with the Long Island University men's tennis team. Today, I did. I, I practiced with a Belarusian. That was, yeah, interesting. Yeah, lot, lots going on. Uh, you have not had the opportunity to play. You were supposed to be, I believe, in South Africa this very week, if memory serves. Is that right? <laughs> memory serves well, yeah. I was four for six were canceled due to unforeseeable circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that was the Puerto Rico events. That was, what, early February, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, and then South Africa, which I was excited for with uh, Mr. Ruan Rolofse. I was going to stay at his house yeah. for a little period of time, but yeah, I mean, we can 
guesstimate what for unforeseeable circumstances are. I'm guessing it's financial difficulties after, sure. you know, and, you know, now with everything that's going on, we go out of a pandemic and it seems like numbers are down, things are okay. And then there's World War Three, Right. Um, so, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we have a lot to get to because we haven't done a podcast this year, um, I don't think. Another year um, older. It was my birthday. Yeah. Um, you're now 52 uh, and I'm creeping on 83. Um, yeah. So I was in Acapulco. Um, it was really nice to see there were, there were a lot of very kind messages uh, to be doing some of the courtside reporting um, and interviewing Rafa on during that week, six times going from zero times having interviewed Rafa to six in a week was, was a very cool experience. Um, and one of those kind of, um, like we, you know, we're, we're, I'm, I and other journalists, reporters, we're storytellers. That's our, that's our job. Um, and I take that very seriously, especially when I'm doing challengers, um, even with you, um, that was a diff, that was a kind of a monumental moment for me to have that being able to interview one of the greatest players of all time on court after a tournament win was just pretty damn cool. That was a pretty cool experience to have, and I'm lucky to have done it. Um, and then next week, I'm going to yeah. be doing the same role in Miami. Um, and unfortunately, Rafa's not going to be there. Novak's not going to be there. Um, but I'll be working for Tennis TV once again on the men's side. Um, so it'll be, you know, a really unique experience. No, I think, you know, I've gotten the question about, you know, the Roger experience. You know, sure. you get that next level. What is it like? Um but for you, how do you move forward from something like that when most of your career has been that challenger circuit? And yeah. I've said it before, Noah, and I mean <laughs> it. If if I could pick one thing to do for the rest of my life and just one thing, I would commentate challenger tennis and be happy. I would be happy. <laughs> um, the, you know, but... But at the same time, I mean, these are opportunities and, uh, you know, that are at bigger and higher levels. And certainly there are other, you know, financial components that come along mm. with that and the opportunity to continue to progress and move move up higher and higher. Um, so it, it's it's just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just realizing and understanding the importance more and more of of doing a good job of telling those stories, no matter what level they are. Um, you know, telling, telling Daniil's story when he became world number one while we were in Acapulco. Um, frankly, telling the Zverev story um, while we were in Acapulco. It was a, obviously an incredibly difficult time, um, that, that, that whole aspect. Um, so that's, that's the thing, is just, it, it kind of gave me that moment of, okay, I, I, this is this is the same thing I've been doing, that for for many many years, just a different different atmosphere, bigger stadium maybe, um, but it's still a tennis player wanting his story to come out in a in a positive light. And how can I help do that? And I think that's that's a job that I really enjoy. Um, and so I think you know I'm pretty excited to, like I said, do the same thing in Miami, um, and hopefully just kind of expand that and do do some more storytelling. Yeah, and and we know you love that, but I'm curious because we've spoken about this a bit. Now you've really 
jumped into the deep end and you know we talked about the leniency at challenger tours you could have dinner with us you know you're at the hotel we're yeah, talking yeah. did you feel an issue especially i mean you know nandal medvedev you know take the top five out but with some of the other guys did you feel an issue with the ones that you weren't familiar with that you couldn't necessarily breach that gap at all yeah or? For, yeah for sure like i um <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Uh, one thing that did happen during the week. Um, uh, we we uh, there was there was something that happened, and all of a sudden, very late in the week, despite his withdrawal due to an abdominal issue, um, I, I we got asked as we were we are the ATP media group reporters who are on site, so we have that kind of role, um, and we were asked to help record something for Matteo Berrettini hmm. for 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 another tournament down down the road. And uh, when when I set up to do it, it was basically it, my understanding was that it was going to be just a, like him reading a couple of lines. That's great. You know, yeah. you, you, you've done had to do one or two of these things, you know, come see me and others play it, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, it turned out that it was a lot more extensive. Um, but I so I thought I, I just got on my knees. He was seated in a chair and I got on my knees and just held the microphone uh, just just kind of, you know, about two feet in front of Matteo Berrettini on my knees holding a microphone. <laughs> then it became 20 minutes of that. You're just there. I'm just there, and it's just like, <laughs> well, I'm really close to you, Matteo. Um, <laughs> how are things? <laughs> and it's just a very awkward... And, and yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is like That was the lone interaction I got with one of the top 10, top 15 guys. Obviously, I got to hang out and talk with Cam Nori. Mm -hmm. I, I know him incredibly right. well. That that's a big deal. Spending time with Tommy Paul, another guy who we've obviously in, in, had on our podcast with. as well. So I still have those moments, and I think my history at the challenger level certainly has helped and um, allows me a little bit more knowledge and history of some players that maybe other people might not. Um, so I think that part is cool. But I no, I'm not hanging out with people at the hotel because right. there were you know, literally 50 people waiting to try to get autographs. Um, so it's, 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 it's a different beast, right? It's a completely different story. And so I'm in that regard, I'm truly excited to go to Tallahassee and just kind of like the last time I was there spending time with Alex Rybakov and Martin Redlicky and Martin Dam, who's right. going to be playing and qualifying in Miami this coming week. Right. Um, you know, we just, we sat around after Alex lost to uh, Dennis Kudla and there were just four of us having a drink and just like sure the shit. talking about life, you know? Yeah. And so those, those are the things that you don't get at that higher level for sure. I mean, regardless, I think, you know, you saw the reactions on Twitter, but we were just happy to see you there. I think no matter what, you like the Challenger Tour, you enjoy it. Being at that level, appreciating it, seeing it, I think will always be a part of your life. Yep. And no, it was just exciting, even though it was just, just your little voice in the background. I know. It's best <laughs> if you don't see me. I think you about for that. Okay, let's let's hit on – we have a yeah, lot where, to, what are we to gonna get do, to. Man. I actually have a list. Yeah. I uh, put together a list. First of all, our, our latest Patreon supporter, Chris Whiff, uh, Whiffin. Chris Whiffen, thank you so much for your support. Noah, I have to my right, about six feet away from me, all of the keychains that I'm going to need you to send out. Yes. Because I need your help. Yes. And the last time we saw each other, I had COVID, so we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't do it. Uh, but when, when we see each other in Tallahassee or Savannah, uh, we're, we're spending a night yeah. 
we'll, we'll actually putting it. in some time um, and sending out these keychains and some more autographed Noah Rubin tennis balls. And that's really what we're all here for. <laughs> um, so thank you to Chris. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Christian uh, retiring. And I, um, listen, before we both say some nice things about Christy, I think this is kind of what we both thought might happen is that we might see a few retirements during the year just because, I, I mean, these last two years, I think there was always just this thought of like, got to, you know, when's this going to end? When's this going to end so we can get back to normal? And then like a lot of players are just tired. Um, and Christy has been through so much physically as she was a mummy at the end of her career in, in terms of just what she had taped up. <laughs> she is as authentic and kind of a human being as I know. And I think tennis is, uh, I mean, she is, we're, we're a little bit less without her. She is just a fantastic human being and I'm excited to see what's next in her career. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Christy and I got, you know, pretty close over a certain period of time and, you know, it was an interesting past couple of years for her. Um, I think she went back and forth and then through the pandemic kind of gave her a little extra push in the rankings to have another year. And she wants to go out on her terms a little bit. And yeah, I mean, we're seeing this a lot, but for her, yep. we know she's going to be successful in, in other things she does. That's, that's without a doubt. She's extremely likable and just as sarcastic as we are. So we enjoy spending yep. time, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for for the ones that are less well known, there's there's a lot of players we're going to be losing. You know, over the next year, I think you know we're seeing these cuts so tough because people are trying to make up for you know lack of tournaments. You know, without salary, you didn't have money coming in, and for some people that was that was everything. So, you know, I'm curious to see where we are come January um, after a full really year and people like, hey, this may not be it for me. I'm not ready for it or I've done my time. So it's going to be an interesting downfall. Sasha Zverev, um, the incident in Acapulco, there's not much more that you and I um, I almost don't even say. want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I know. I, I guess that what I would like to hear from you um I, I, I was on um, No Challenges Remaining with Ben Rothenberg and mentioned that on site um, there, there was empathy for him um, in terms of just people concerned about his well-being, um, which, which was something that I guess I, I wasn't expecting after, obviously, there are allegations against right. him in his domestic abuse situation. Um, I, I also know not everybody has read those allegations and read the reporting by Ben because Ben is Ben and that that's actually a thing. Um, but I, I did sense um, from a player perspective that there were players who were just concerned about his well-being. What, what have you heard? What, what are you thinking about that situation? Yeah, I mean, sadly, I wasn't at an event prior to that. Obviously we have our group texts and stuff like that and we go through yeah. it. But I think the first and foremost was help is needed. Um, did I feel bad? No. Um, I, I think uh, there are a few things they didn't crack down enough on, you know, with him and, and going into it. And to be honest, kind of this probation period is complete bullshit that the ATP has. And, you know, I'm sure even the players that were, you know, felt worried in, in one aspect or another can agree that, you know, some of, you know, the things that ATP came up with, with the probation, everything was 
just this band-aid that they're trying to put on. I don't know why they're, you know, kind of skating around it. There's a lot of other players. Varev's not this, you know, top of the line where tennis falls without him. So I don't know why they're kind of playing it this close to the chest. Um, yeah, I mean, I he said he had no intentions of hitting, you know, the chair umpire. There are so many other things you can hit with a racket on that court. Like, you, you were, what? two inches away from his foot you know so it's kick him out start again you know let him take a breather because i think honestly i mean from you know whether you like him or not he could use a second away to prioritize what's happening in his own life what he needs to kind of push past this and, and feel okay because i just thought about like what is it like putting his you know head down on a pillow at night you know what is he thinking sure. about what's going through so um you know there's a lot happening not not very much positive at the moment, um, even though he's you know top five in the world. But I think it just needs a break. And it's not surprising to see that Tommy Paul was able to knock him off in his first match in mm-hmm. uh, Indian Wells, obviously, this week. I uh, um, Again, taking out all, all of the allegations and all of that, like that, it's just a lot to yeah. deal with. And I, I, it's not surprising to see it catch up with him. But yeah, I think John Wertheim said it best that maybe this would be the, the right time just to step away for a little bit, collect yourself, um, and kind of let things sort themselves out. Um, I, I completely agree with that. Um, we've we've kind of touched on it a little bit here, uh, Ukraine, um, and, and how this is continuing to progress. We are, uh, we are going to talk about it just in the tennis perspective here, um, because I think it's, you know, pretty clear that... We're, how how we're both going to feel about the situation. I, I I guess I'm a little bit concerned, Noah, about the, um, again, just we're only speaking about the tennis ramifications here, but I think what it could do in terms of the destabilization of that entire geographic region and what that might mean to tennis, we've already seen events being pulled out of Russia. Uh, I have some real concerns, again, about opportunity, um, for for players and I, considering what's happened over the last couple of years, I just worry about how we're going to replace those events and how we're going to continue to have quote unquote tennis as normal. Yeah, I actually had a question for you because we talked about you know geographically located events and tours yeah. and saying playing inside the U.S. Um, you know, obviously, if there was a U.S. tour, you wouldn't have to worry about what's going on in Europe, but. We're obviously friends with a lot of Europeans, so yeah. would we feel remorse for the ones that are unable to compete because they're in lockout due to you know what's going on between these two countries right now? Or you know, is would that be a much more stable environment because there are more tours around the world and and it just is what it is? I mean, you know, I went back and forth with that because I think this after um, the Asia incidents and, and ATP and WTA going over what they thought was the right play. And now this, it made me think like, yeah, there should be individual tours in the U S you know, to kind of, you know, distance themselves and have that area while Australia. But then at the same point, I was like, well, I have European friends that won't be able to play, you know? So I went kind of yeah. back and forth. I just, I, I don't think there's a simple situation, simple answer here because yeah you've you as you mentioned wta is already out of china now you've got everybody out of russia Uh, you've lost a very large contingent (laughs) of tournaments not just i mean most most of the obviously concern is about the atp and wta the higher levels 
But you're talking about a slew of ITF events, a slew of ATP challengers that are getting knocked out, both on the men's, women's side. I mean, you're again, you just think about the fact that we haven't yet made up the tournaments and in, you know gotten the tournament numbers back up at the lower levels, and we're just losing more. And and again, pales in comparison to the devastation um, that the the people of Ukraine are dealing with. It pales in comparison. Right. I think, we- we, you know, that's that's I think the the question I have in terms of the big picture for tennis. How how are we getting back some of these events so that again those lower level, one hundred plus ranked players are getting the amount of opportunities that they need to participate in? I yeah, I mean, a not I have no idea. I mean, this is stuff that I've I've thought about. I don't know where to go from here. But B, one thing that I just need, and I think it's for my own sanity, is just to hear like, hey, we're, we're struggling instead of getting emails from ATP saying, hey, look, we've had almost as many challengers as we had in pre-pandemic times. And, you know, look at all this prize money and we have up 1% on the ATP. Like, no, no, no. Say like what's actually going on. Say, hey, guys, we're really working hard. We don't know what to do. At least so we, you know, guys like us don't think we're insane for thinking what we're thinking because from now, from that email, in my head, they're not thinking about how to overcome something like this. And then again, I feel like we have to say everything with a grain of salt. Yes, there's there are larger situations going on in the world, but we can come out of this with losing 50 events. I mean, we, we don't know where it ends. And if they're really not thinking about a next step it's going to be like the pandemic all over where we just kind of hit the ground when it comes and who knows what's next. I, I have been heartened by the, you know, United response though. Um, that, that being said by the players here. Um, I mean, even last night, Jensen Brooksby um, pointing at, you know, signing Ukraine on, on the camera after his massive win over Sitsipas. The Estremska sisters story is phenomenal. I highly recommend if you haven't listening to Ben Rothenberg's interview with Daria um, after she went through it, Dasha uh, Gavrilova, now Savile, um, what she's gone through. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing uh, Svitolina. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're just story, story after story after story of uh, Andrei Rublev. It is, it is truly heartwarming to see this con- committed and united response um, just towards making sure the emotions and thoughts are in the right place. Um, the, the financial resources are going to the right places as well. And I'm happy about that. Um, obviously, Sergei Stokowski as well, literally fighting. On the um, literally, yeah, I mean, it's... It's remarkable. Um, yes, there that that is the number one concern. But yeah, I think we both have some concerns, big picture, about how tennis responds in terms of continuing to find opportunities for lower ranked players. Um, Jensen Brooksby, by the way, is the best tennis player of all time. I just, yeah, I think we should we should point that out. Okay, you know that, right? Fine. Yeah, he's fine. Okay. <laughs> the worst is is like people are like, I'm playing like Jensen Brooksby, and I'm like. God, like the commands on you know double faults and like i'm like ah yep that's where we're starting yeah he's damn good yeah we know that he is damn good yeah Um.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Naomi Osaka. Um, this, is a, this is a tough one uh, because yeah. it, it pulls, pulls um, for a very a difficult mental health uh, angle for both of us. Um, it, it was interesting to see our, our friend Tyson Kwiatkowski who who uh, mentioned on Twitter that it just it, you know wasn't to the level of what Serena and Venus dealt with when they were going through it. Yet there is that history at Indian Wells of those racial comments towards Serena and Venus back when they were young. We certainly know that this fan who heckled Naomi did so because it's Naomi Osaka, a player who has dealt with mental health questions. And that's what I'm. I keep going back to is like, you have you have targeted somebody specifically with mental health questions to make them feel bad about themselves. That being said, Noah, it 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 was a lot. It was a lot, and I am concerned about her um, continuing um, at that that level that we know and and want for her. And I, I I'm interested in your your thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't want to go too deep into it specifically about the incident, but I think it mm. goes to the bigger picture of there are players that need to take time away from the sport. And it goes to the deeper thought of two things. One, the sport doesn't really allow for time off. That's yeah, A. Agreed. You know, at all. Um, so it forces people to be in a place of saying, hey, I take time off. I may not be a tennis player again. And I know that sounds drastic, but it, it happens. No, that's it. It's a great point. It's a great point because, I mean, if she actually had, she has taken time off, obviously, but if she actually had, didn't feel a need to be playing right now, that would be huge. Right. And, and the second thing is, and, you know, we, who was it? Harriet Dart. I saw a headline about Harriet Dart, you know, after Mm -hmm. a really, really tough time, difficult moment in her life. Obviously it happens in other sports. I just feel like we hear about it so often in tennis that everything is just a breakthrough from dark periods of time. You know what I mean? Like it just, it feels like this negative connotation around everything, you know, in tennis besides the breakthrough, which is, I I think, problematic. And we're seeing the effects on these players and on them as people. Um, Daniil Medvedev, think think about what Daniil said after the Australian Open and how it it hurt him and his inner child, you know, and he spoke about it at length in Acapulco. He also spoke about it this week after what happened to Naomi and how he empathizes with it. And you're just seeing it from, especially at the top, because we always talk about how important it is for, you know, people on a pedestal like that to come out and speak about it so you know you're not alone and you're not one of them. But at the same time, 
you know, it's just proving kind of again and again how there's a lack of help, how the system within tennis is very difficult to move through. And there's really not enough time to take care. And that and that's what it comes down to. The off seasons are not long enough. You have to play every week for the most part if you're not, you know, a top player in the world. And if you are, you have to make sure that those tournaments that you play in, you do damn well in them. So yes. it's just, I think, countless pressure, which I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other sports, but if you feel off that night, hey coach, you know, just take me out for a second. I, I need some time. You know, I may not play the next couple of games. There's a good chance the team wins 50 percent of those games without the star player and they move on but you know with it right now with seeing how these players are affected um this has to be thought about i think which it's not because there's large problems all over the place in tennis but you know we really have to discuss this i want to give you a criticism that I, i i don't believe in but i saw quite a bit um on on twitter and social media through the week if naomi can't handle it or Mm -hmm. if x player can't handle it then they're not a top-notch athlete your thoughts yeah i mean i go both directions obviously i'm deep into the mental health world but i'm also as you know a big competitor and i love trash talk and i love getting into it so it's tough i i think when it's a fan really trying to cut deep you know we can go to the levels of how deep that cut maybe naomi just needed you know, a little push to feel that kind of pressure. So it's, I want to say that regardless of, you know, what anybody said, she would have gotten to this point eventually. And we have to be wary of that. But my argument just keeps going back to that. It's an individual sport. You're out there alone. You're, you have no help. You feel that helplessness when you're already not feeling well. I've been in that situation and differently, not, you know, getting heckled, but, you know, you've seen me where I don't want to be on the court that day and anything can throw me off. So I know that feeling. And for her, you know, more emotional in certain cases, you know, with whatever's going on, it's it's a coin toss. It really is. I think it just comes down to this individual aspect where, you know, we have to see if we can change it around to give players kind of that breath, you know, every once in a while. I think... I think you really hit on a, a really important aspect is just this idea of giving players more space, um, a, a letting bodies heal, brains heal. All, all of that aspect is just not given at the same level it is to in other sports. You guys have the shortest off season by far. Um, and as I think, especially with the social media aspect nowadays, it's constant and the the um, emotional mental health component that goes along with social media and and just being the focus of attention it is constant and it's just not going to get better so somehow we have to find a way to intercede i think you're you're dead on with that yeah i think you know what it comes down to in the end is how many other sports we hear oh they have a nagging injury you know and then we can use that as mental as well you know something's nagging sure. they take a few games off and i think that's just yep. 
you know, they and get paid ha- and they and and get, get paid. paid. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, you know, we don't have that luxury and, and that's scary. And then you play either with those mental or physical injuries and they can only worsen. Um, you know, I, I can't remember last time and we'll talk physically for a second that I went to a tournament and there weren't 15 players I knew that were like, oh yeah, my lower back, my shoulder, that, but they have to play. Yeah, we're, yeah, just, yeah. we're just accustomed to that. So No, that's you know. just me complaining. <laughs> that's just my <laughs> aching back. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's all I had on my... I have some other things on my list, but I, I think that's... No, that's I mean, can rock. we just talk about... And I have to hope I get in, so I'm just going to talk to a few people. I'm excited for Savannah. Same. I know it sounds funny, but like it's you know I've had a few years off of, of playing that and just like little things like that. I just I miss Savannah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, actually, uh, it's on my list of to dos is to book a uh, Airbnb for the second weekend plus a day. Hmm. Uh, you want me to get you a bedroom? I have to see you in the morning. No, you don't have. You can stay in your bedroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Such a strange answer to that. <laughs> You want you want me to get you get just a, a two bedroom instead of a one? You want to just stay for the extra weekend? You know Jamie Loeb's just going to be up the road in Charleston. Really? That oh is that yeah. was that ever the same week as usually? I have no idea, but have... we we talked about it over the weekend. So I I just I'm 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 going to impose myself into the Jew crew. Oh goodness gracious! No, you're you look old enough to be Jewish. What? I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> Was that anti-Semitic? <laughs> uh, speaking of old, I went and played poker the other night uh, oh, for the God. first time in over a year. Um, I am not young. I was the youngest at my table. Uh, was that was... body feeling bad or brain not handling the situation? <laughs> What's funny is it was just nice to be around people a little bit, um, playing some cards and just kind of relaxing. I know we're all kind of getting back to normal just a little bit. Um, I, I got the email from um, that, that Miami is a basically uh, going to be kind of a wide open tournament in terms of just no, um, not as many restrictions as has been in other locations. Yeah, I was going to um, say. So it's going to be an interesting that's going to be an interesting setup, I think, for the brain. Um, I will say when I played poker, I, there were probably 60 people in the poker room, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was heavily, heavily filt- filtered air and all that. But uh, I think I was the only one out of like 60 with a mask on. You got a young child. I get it. But <laughs> Hashtag <yeah>. Oklahoma. <laughs> Where the... <laughs> I can't wait uh, to see you, man. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Uh, mm. Maybe we can talk again in, I don't know, June. Busy, maybe you're busy. Yeah. Look at the schedule. I got uh, I got two challenge. No, uh, yeah, two challengers that month. So, you know, other than that, we can hang out sometime. I'm good. Thanks so much, though. Okay. Uh, hopefully, we'll do another podcast very soon. Uh, if not, um, you know, just find him on Twitter at NoahRubin33, and I'm at Mike C Tennis. Bye. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.